I don't know if you've ever read To Kill a Mockingbird, but Scout would get up on Atticus's lap every evening and read. They'd read together. And uh, sorry, I get a little choked up when I think about this. And that's what my daddy did with me when he would come home from work in the evenings. I'd get up on his lap before I ever started school. Welcome to Appalachian Startup, stories of new ideas that eventually became thriving businesses in areas that most would consider a bad investment. I'm J.D. Belcher, and I started this podcast because I took the same path as a lot of these folks. I'm a former coal miner, and now I make films through my own production company called JJN Multimedia. I wanted to hear others speak of their journey to not only give new beginners hope, but to help me grow as a fellow entrepreneur. On this episode of Mercer Grassroots March, we sat down with Tammy Dotson, owner of the Hatter's Bookshop. Her childhood memories of her father reading to her sparked her love of literature. It wasn't until she had an empty nest later in life that she decided to dive into the world of the book business. Upon establishing a storefront in the Mercer Street Grassroots District, she quickly discovered the energy her cozy shop brought to the movement. Enjoy. We're a small family-owned business. Uh, My son and I are partners. Uh, We bought the store in 2016, and we recently moved into our own location that we purchased. So um, now we own the the building that we're in. Uh, We sell previously loved books, but we have a lot of more current books as well that come in the store. And uh, we're just a, a great place to socialize and to come and discuss things and uh, meet new people and enjoy books. What year did you open? We bought the store in 2016. It was already a bookstore and we purchased it from the previous owners. Mm-hmm. What was the previous bookstore there? Uh, it was previously called Day Five Books and Collectibles. So they not only had books, but they had quite a, quite a large array of collectibles and clothing. And uh, when we purchased the store, we only wanted the books. And that's what we took. Very cool. So how many books do you have? Thousands and thousands. I couldn't give you a specific number. Right. In the, uh, th- when you set up things, did you have some kind of cataloging system or d- was it already in place when kind of you took it over? When we took it over, it was not quite as organized as we have it now. And there was no cataloging system in place. Uh, things were sort of grouped by genre. Uh, we came in and got things more organized. Everything is organized by genre and then alphabetically by author. Uh, we have different sections of the store set up, especially in the new location. We have uh, a hallway with the exposed brick wall from the building that houses our classic section and uh, Shakespeare and biographies and everything that's uh, very uh, literary related as far as critiques, essays, poetry, drama. Right. Awesome. So when you started, did you have any kind of business background or was this always a dream project? It was always a dream and that just sort of fell into my lap. I did not have any previous business experience whatsoever. So I took a giant leap of faith and I knew it was something I needed to do. It wasn't something I just wanted to do. I needed to do it. And I just jumped in with both feet and kind of learned as I went along the way. Right. Right. And what was that learning process like? Scary. <laughs> but, you know, I, 
if you have search, certain research skills and, you know, um, internet skills, you can find the answers to pretty much any question you have. And so that's what I did. I just started searching on the internet and I found the West Virginia website for small business. And I went in there and that, that site is loaded with information. And I was able to file for my business license there and, and, and go from there. How did you come up with the name? Well, that was probably one of the hardest parts of getting started. We kicked around, I guess, a hundred different names. We, I couldn't settle on one thing at all. And um, I talked to friends and they would come up with ideas I didn't like. And my son finally said, let's pick something literature related. And he's always enjoyed Alice in Wonderland. And he said, why don't we name it something from Alice in Wonderland and make it whimsical? And so we finally came up on the Hatter's Bookshop. And a lot of people want to call it the Mad Hatter's, but it's not the Mad Hatter's. It's just plainly the Hatter's Bookshop. And I had a friend who has a degree in graphic design who designed a a wonderful logo for me for free. And free is always great when you're in a small business. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's a really nice logo, and it identifies us very well. And uh, so that's that's how that all came about. Right. Do you have a love for reading? Is that kind of where this stemmed? A very strong love for reading. It began when I was a small child. My dad would come home from work. And I don't know if you've ever read To Kill a Mockingbird, but Scout would get up on Atticus's lap every evening and read. Mm-hmm. They'd read together. And uh, sorry, I get a little choked up when I think about this. And that's what my daddy did with me when he would come home from work in the evenings. I'd get up on his lap before I ever started school and we would read together. And so I, my love of reading goes back to my very early childhood. Right. So it's you know more than just a business for sure. It's a, a passion and memory. So it's nostalgic. It kinda. is. It, it, it is very strongly. Every time I hold a book in my hand, I, you know, I, I think not only about the story within its pages, but I think about where my love of reading began. And, and it always goes back to my dad. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you can that comes to mind of of things that you w- didn't think about when you first started this project? Oh, that would fill a big book. Um, I didn't know that you know how much dedication. I you know I, I knew I had dedication within me, but I didn't realize just how deeply you have to be dedicated to a small business, and you have to be open when you say you're going to be open. You have to provide what you say you're going to provide. Uh, and, and I was prepared to do that. Uh, but then life gets in the way sometimes and kind of keeps you from doing the things that you have planned. And so we, we had a, a pretty rocky first year and a half because of uh, deaths in the family and illness in the family. And we had to overcome those obstacles. We couldn't always be open when we wanted to be. And, and that, that bothered me, you know, because uh, I, I'm a person of my word. And, you know, a business has to be open when they say they're going to be open or people stop coming through the doors. Mm-hmm. And that had been a problem with the previous owners. And, and not to knock them, I don't mean it that way, but they didn't always keep consistent hours. And so their business faltered because of it. And I didn't want that for us. I, I wanted to be so dedicated that I would be there whenever I said I would be there. And it wasn't always possible. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of our biggest challenges was was making sure we could have the doors open when we said we'd be open. Right. Did you have a small customer base, you know, f- taking over from the previous business? Did you have a small 
customer base developed or did it kind of? There was a small customer base developed uh, and then it grew from when we took over. There had been previous customers who had not returned to the previous shop for various reasons and they gave us a try and liked what they saw. And so there, I have customers that I've still to this day that started out with me the three and a half years ago and it's growing as we go it continues to grow and uh, and a lot of people i can't tell you how many times i've heard we didn't know you were here mm-hmm. and um now people know we're here and, and that's very helpful great so how do you come up with how much it costs to rent a book or is it a monthly membership that you do like unlimited books or no, we, we just plainly sell books. We don't do any sort oh, of rentals. Okay, no rentals. It's no. just you sell books. Yes. And, okay. So how do, how do you decide, uh, you know, what a book costs, you know, from when you get it, do you just mark it up and that's it? Or do you have a certain price that you mark it up to or? Well, we base the prices of the books on, um, current, on the uh, the current date, as well as the condition of the book, we won't. We take books in on trade for credit. It's part of how we get our books. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, the condition of a book plays a lot into what we price it. If it's in good enough condition for us to accept it, uh, if there's some creasing in the spine, it's two dollars for a paperback. If the spine is in pristine condition, it's $3 for a paperback. That's just a hard and steady rule. Larger trade paperbacks run 4 and $5 depending on condition, and then hardcovers run 4 and 5 or maybe a bit more depending on condition, and as far as uh, rarity. If it's a more rare book, if it's an autographed book, that brings the price up, and we do our research online as far as those sorts of books. We stay competitive with Amazon or a books or eBay we keep our prices competitive with them because we have to mm-hmm. uh, our advantage is the book is right there in your hand you don't have to wait three or four days for it to come in um, so I always check and make sure that I'm putting a fair price on every book that we put on the shelf gotcha do you sell new releases and, and we don't do new releases okay. we just do the used books I, that's something i've thought about but we need to grow a bit more before we get to that point makes sense because you got to buy in bulk right yes you have to, okay yes uh so um developing that consistent process have you noticed uh uh, growth just from that, from from having a consistent inventory and having a good selection, you know, cataloging everything. Has there been growth just from people appreciating that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, they. I had a gentleman, and I hear this quite often, but it always warms my heart. I had a gentleman in the store on Friday, and he said, "This is a bookstore." I mean, it, it wasn't like this is what a, a bookstore is supposed to be, which I've heard that as well, but. You know, we've got that atmosphere and we've got uh, the inventory that is required for someone to come in and, and, and look for whatever, you know, subject matter they're looking for. If we don't have that subject matter, I'd be very surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got everything. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, so do you buy, you know, bulk used books or do you, is there certain places you can go to just buy a box of books or is it mostly just trade in? We rarely buy books. Um, 
I don't have the time to go out and do yard sales and things like that to pick up books on it. You know, I might, you know, if I'm, if I'm out somewhere, I might come across something that I'll, I'll bring home and, and or bring back to the store that I know I can sell for a certain price. But a lot of it is trade. And to be quite honest with you, this community wants to see this bookstore stay in business. And they'll bring books in and say, we don't want credit. We're going to buy some books, mind you, but we don't want credit. We're going to give you these books. We want to see you stay in business. And so a lot of the times we have donations. And I take the time to find out what these books are worth. And, I, and I'm always open and honest about this. Sometimes people bring me books that are of some real value. And they, do, they haven't taken the time to find out what that book is worth, but I do. And so we have an online business through Amazon as well. And we, it helps our bottom line because some of these books are worth $50, $60, $70. Mm -hmm. And you make a $50 sale on a book, that's almost half your day of what you need to make to just pay your bills. So, so it's not just walk-in traffic. You develop the revenue stream through online sales? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's very necessary for just about any small business these days because a lot of people, you know, that's the way they shop. And, um, but I did my research before I bought the bookstore and I found out, you know, there were the, in the age of technology with e-readers and with audio, uh, I, I wanted to make sure that this was something that was viable. and. Um, I found out that people missed holding a book in their hands. They missed flipping the pages. They missed going into the bookstore and browsing. So the trend is back toward coming into a brick and mortar store and away from the online so much. And independent bookstores are on the rise. Their profits are on the rise. The last two years have shown an increase. So, and we're part of that. I'm glad you brought that up because I prefer, with a keyboard, I prefer a tactile keyboard you know something you yes. can actually punch and feel and hear the clicks and uh i think i can i can really see that that we're just so sick of our screens that we want to you know actually you know feel something that someone took time to create and 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 have it's kind of like you know how i miss i miss cds and i miss oh i miss cassette tapes you know having mm -hmm. that consistency in your hands so you do see that a lot. Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and people will come in and they even like the smell of a bookstore. And, and some bookstores smell a little more musty than others. Ours doesn't have that mustiness because, to be honest with you, I'm a neat freak. Every book that comes in that door, I wipe down before I put it on the shelf. You know, so we don't get that heavy mustiness that you smell in a lot of bookstores. Plus, we sell incense and so they smell that as well. Um, and people... They enjoy that going from, you know, they'll pick up a book and they want to kind of glance through it and get a good idea of what that book might be about before they make that purchase. And online, you only get little snippets of, mm -hmm. of, of what a book is. You can't browse through the whole book to see, hmm, this is exactly what I want. Online does not provide that. And something else that online does not provide is that social interaction that you get in a bookstore, that personal connection that you get when you go into a bookstore. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So how many how many books would you say do you spend your days reading, you know? <laughs> That would be nice, but I stay too busy to spend my days reading. Every once in a while, I'll have a, a, a slow t period where I don't have books that I need to process, and I can take a little bit of time to read, you know, in the afternoons. I, but 
it's an ongoing process. People don't realize how much work is really involved in something like that. When a book comes in the door, it's, there's a process that we have to go through. First, I clean them. Second, I have to inventory them. Third, I have to price them. Fourth, I have to shelve them. And if somebody brings in, and I've had people bring in as many as 30 and 40 books at a time, well, if I don't stay on top of that, you can imagine how far behind Backlog. I'd get and, and what, what a nightmare I'd have to deal with. So I stay on top of that so that I don't get all this, like you said, a, a backlog of something that's just going to overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else do you do throughout your day, you know, uh, other than cataloging books? Like, are you uh, doing accounting work or, you know, uh, what what is your typical day? My typical day, I usually in the mornings when I come in, I take care of checking any emails and addressing anything that comes in through email. Uh, I also take care of any bills that are due and ready to be paid. Um, and I do, uh, we have an accountant. I, I use QuickBooks, you know, to, to help with keeping track of bills and things, what have you. Um, I also return any calls, say that someone is called after hours. I'll, I'll return calls. The next morning, uh, I, I do little things like that in the mornings and get that out of my way so that my afternoons are open for me to process the books that come in. And also, you know, you have customers come in and out throughout the day. So you have to stop what you're doing, you know, because I don't let anyone come in the store without them being greeted mm-hmm. and let them know that I'm there to help them with anything that they need. And I also try to take the time to learn their names so that with my regular customers, I can say, hello, you know, hi, Bertha, how are you today? What can I do for you today? Mm-hmm. And so I spend time, you know, assisting the customers with anything that they might need. We also order books. If we don't have the book in the store, we'll order a book for a customer. We do that as well. Very cool. Uh, so, which I know you, you took over for a, an existing business, but what made Mercer Street attractive? for the bookstore well the rebirth of mercer street the renaissance project you know we have the theater that's in the process of being redone that's going to be a huge draw to downtown uh other businesses were coming in uh, i wanted something to do with myself i had had to retire from teaching for health reasons uh, i had gotten a divorce i had an empty nest I needed something to do. And so that this little bookstore came along at the right time of my life t- to give me a new purpose. And so I, all the time when I was growing up, my dad wanted to leave my hometown and move to Princeton. He looked at Princeton as sort of a promised land, so to speak. He wanted to be here. And as soon as I graduated from high school, this is where we headed. And so I, I've always, and when we first moved to Princeton, it still had some of its heyday going. But shortly after the mall came in and downtown Princeton started to fade, and it, and it did, it fell on hard times. Everybody knows the story of Mercer Street, of how the businesses left, and there was an element here that was not welcome. But slowly and surely, due to the hard work of people like Lori McKinney and Greg Puckett, Mercer Street was make, is making a comeback. and. I've noticed over the last three and a half years that I've been here just a difference since then as far as the uh, people making a return to downtown because people wouldn't come downtown to shop. They didn't want to. And now you see families walking on Saturday afternoons to the different shops. Uh, I have families come in all the time. I have people who tell me, you know, there's so much here now that we didn't have for such a long time. And it's so good to see Mercer Street 
coming back to what we knew it could be. And I'm so proud to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of like you all form, are forming a group, like uh, uh, which you know you, you have Riff Raff Arts Collective, but I'll use the word collective. Like you all are coming together and are kind of rooting for each other. Oh, absolutely. Well, we have a merchants uh, gathering every month or so, and the different merchants here we will meet and talk about things that we can do to continue to improve things that are going on, a news that's happening. You know, and, and it's very important that we stay in touch with one another and we're all very supportive of one another we shop with one another you know that sort of sort of thing you know it's important to set an example to the rest of your community that you're supporting these businesses downtown definitely what was the process like moving into the building did you renovate things or did you kind of just you know uh, clean up what you had and then or did you you know set a new format for the store or well, we were renting this, the previous space we were in. We took over from where the previous owners were, and mm-hmm. we rented that space. And when we first started, we had a lot of organization to do, and, and we got all that organized to our satisfaction. And so we were there for about three years, and then the building next door to us came up for sale. Well, you know, knowing what's going on on Mercer Street and, and how Mercer Street is growing, I saw that as a prime business opportunity. You know, it's better to own than it is to rent. And our now the money that we were putting toward rent is going to our own building. We moved into the building that was right next door to us. And thank God it was only next door. Because just put yourself in the shoes of someone trying to move thousands of books from one location to another. Yeah. And so we set out and we had a plan, a basic plan that was, you know, very um, flexible. Because we knew once we got into that space, something might have to be changed. But the new space that we're in, we had definite ideas of where we wanted things to go. And so we just set about setting things up as we moved in. And uh, my favorite part of the store is a hallway that's to the right of the store and toward the back. And we have the exposed brick wall. And you see so many of the businesses downtown here have their exposed brick walls. And nobody wants to cover that up. It's beautiful. It's part of Mercer Street's history. And so I needed the wall space, but I didn't want to cover it up. So I had to, I had to come up with an idea of what to do there. So we did open shelving. And it was, a thank God for a helper that I had help, who helped me hang these open shelves in this brick wall so that we kept as much of it exposed as possible. And it's a beautiful part of the store. Mm-hmm. And so th- I knew right then because it was that old wall and it spoke to, you know, a, a time from the past that it's, that that was where I wanted to put my classic se- section and the poetry and drama and all of those things that go together. Shakespeare has his own little wall dedicated to him at the back of that section. Uh, we have a large sitting room, but we also needed the wall space in there for we uh, and we sort of kept it like it was in the previous store. The sitting area also held all the history books. And so we, we kind of went along with that. Well, well, we'll keep that very similar so that the customers, when they came in, still kind of had a bit of an anchor of where to go to and know where certain things were. 
Right. And and so we tried to stick as close to the, our previous format as possible, but improve it as well. You know, we have a very large children's section that's right in the front now. When families come in the door, the kids are drawn to that section. And we've got a little table and chair set there for them and, and a chair for a grown-up to sit and, and sit and read to a child in that section. So we had very specific ideas and the space just kind of came together. It was a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. but it did come together. How, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. So you moved, you, you're not in the original store space. No, we are not. We moved uh, about four months ago. Gotcha. So um, after, you know, getting everything set up and, and people were coming in and, and checking out the new store, did you see a positive? What kind of a response did you see? Oh, well, you know, we added a lot of artwork to the new store. And that is one of the big draws to the store is the artwork that's in there about Alice in Wonderland. Uh, one of my best friends is the art teacher at Pikeview High School. And she and some students came in and did these beautiful murals that are in these niches that are carved into the wall toward the back of the store. And that just draws people in. They say, oh, wow. You know, they're, they're scenes from Alice in Wonderland. Hmm. And we also have a front window that we had a local artist Mike Stickle he he went above and beyond our expectations for the artwork that is in the the front window and it's all Alice related so we just that draws people in and and then they start to look around and you know I, I hear compliments daily on the artwork that's in there and and then how things are set up that the people are just really uh positively reacting to everything that we've done with it. How did Lori help you? Did Lori help you with resources or anything, you know, when you first moved in here or? uh, Lori is a very valuable resource. And yes, you know, she organized these merchant gatherings that help, you know, other uh, store owners as well as me bounce ideas off of one another. And and everybody might have, someone might have a piece of information that someone else doesn't have. And we share those ideas. And Lori is very instrumental in all of that. And she's always open to to help anyone who has a question. If there's a resource out there, I'm pretty sure Lori knows Mm -hmm. what it is for whatever your need is. Right. As you continue to go, like, uh, what are, what are your hopes with the bookstore? My hopes uh, is that we can continue to keep it a part of this community, that we can continue to serve our community uh, and be a a hub, so to speak, for social gatherings, um, for, you know, discussions. We have book clubs who come in and meet and use our sitting room for that. Um, I want to see it continue to grow. Um, I want, you know, every year, and I haven't had a chance to do it this yet this month but i will before the month of january is over i sit down and i make a goal sheet for the coming year and i may not meet all the goals that i have on that sheet but i'll at least meet about half of them you know i with by having that posted behind my desk it's a daily reminder to me to say this is something you need to work on this is something you need to strive for uh last year it was to start a website and we did uh it was to um well, of course, increase sales, which we 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 steadily grow in mm-hmm. that. Um, and to host more book clubs, we do that. Host more authors. We have authors who come in and do book signings 
and, and things of that nature. And we met all of those goals. Book clubs. What yes. is that for someone who may not know? Well, you know, a group of people will uh, of common interest will uh, choose a, a certain book that they want to discuss. Um, we have a local group that are some former college professors who will come in and they'll they meet at different places throughout the year, but they'll come to us two or three times a year and want to use our sitting area and discuss uh, a certain book that they've read. They'll invite me to join in and I'll read the book and join in as well. Uh, just um, like a group of women who who want to pick a, a fiction, a book of fiction and discuss it. And we do that as well. So and and then, like I said, we have the local authors that we have book signings and they'll do readings from their books and have some book sales that day. So. Well, since we're on that, what book if I was to read one book this year, which I'm not a I'm not a big re- I like I'd like to read more if I mm-hmm. had time. Mm-hmm. What would that one book be? Oh, well, it's hard for me to pick just one. Uh, but I will say one of the books that uh, the book club recently read was 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. And um, that's a pretty important book to read. This gentleman, and I can't think of the author's name right off the top of my head, but he, he was, uh, give, I, I felt it was more of, of a book of ideas instead of lessons. Or like I, I would have called it 21 Ideas for the 21st Century. Uh, things for you to ponder and think about how the world is changing and, and, and the reasons behind why the world is changing and what the possible consequences are for these changes. I, I, would, I would probably put that book up there as, as being one that would be really important to read. Gotcha. I'll check it out. Uh, so someone out there, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give someone that has a, a passion for something uh, like you did with, with reading and, and your dad? Uh, you know, what would, what would you suggest to them on a way to approach putting that passion into fruition and potentially even a business? Start small. Um, don't, don't step outside of your financial comfort zone. By any means, uh, when uh, I was first c- contemplating buying the bookstore, I had gone on vacation in Florida, and in Saint Petersburg, Florida, the state's largest bookstore is there. It's called Haslin's Bookstore, and I was fortunate enough to meet the owner of that store. And it, I mean, this place is impressive. It, it would it takes up a city block. Okay, and when I told him what I was going to do, he said, "Well, don't don't bet your retirement on it." You know, and don't don't go out and bet your retirement on something if you're, you know, at a certain age. Uh, And when I told him I was only buying the inventory and was renting the space, then he had a different attitude. He said, well, then by all means, then pursue it. Don't take a financial risk that you can't take, first and foremost, because then you're only going to wind up disappointed. Uh, because there's a lot of hard work and don't expect to make a whole lot of money, if any, the first two or three years. You're You're not only investing your time. You may be investing some of your own personal finances to get this off the ground. So you have to really be aware of the risks that you're taking when you're first starting out. But if you have a passion for something, such as the Blue Ridge Bee Company, they had a passion for bees and for, you know, saving the honeybee. And, and they, they have put together a beautiful dream across the street here. And, but it took them a very long time to bring that to fruition. Mm -hmm. I already had an inventory in place, whereas they had to start from scratch. 
So I hope that they'll be someone that you're going to get to talk to. They was right before you. Were they? Well, good. So you you know what they had to do to get started. And, mm-hmm. and they faced a lot of obstacles, as t- too, as well. You know, he had a serious injury. Scaffolding. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he did. The obstacles we faced, you know, I, I was in no way in the world prepared for losing both of my parents within six months of each other the very first year of my being open for business. Mm. You know, I had... I had to take time off to take care of my parents that first year. And then my son nearly died, had to take six weeks off there. Mm -hmm. So you have to be, you know, that's especially where finances come into play. You've got to be able to weather these storms that are, they're going to come. You you can't expect something not to happen and say, oh, it's just going to be free and easy because there's always going to be something that's going to come along that you, you better be prepared for it. Perfect. So how important is it to you, uh, you know, you've been in Southern West Virginia all your life. How important is it to you in staying here and being able to to build this? Oh, it's very important. This is my home. You know, I, I grew up in Southern West Virginia. I didn't grow up here in Princeton, but I did grow up in Southern West Virginia. And I, I'm very proud of our Appalachian heritage. I, you know, so many people misunderstand this area. Uh, I actually had someone come in the store a couple of weeks ago and he said, I see a lot of people are are putting in businesses downtown. Why in the world are they doing that? (laughs) I I, I just almost didn't know how to respond to that. And I said, because we want to see our community thrive. And and that's why we're doing this. It's very important to me to see this community thrive. This is home for me and has been for over 30 years. My children live here. My grandchildren live here. I want to see there be something here in their future. And and it it warms my heart to think that there will be something here that I helped build that I helped create. You know, I I tell my little granddaughter, she'll come in the bookstore and I'd say, every book in here is yours. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want is yours. Because that's as much her business as it is mine because I'm looking to her future. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and you you mentioned technology and things like that. Um, Have you had that specific moment where someone comes in and just says, yeah, I just, I miss this, you know, being able to do this and not, you know. Absolutely. I hear it often. I mean, I really heard it in the, a lot in the beginning, but I do hear it quite often. And people say books are so much better to hold in your hand. And, you know, there are some people who due to eyesight or to hearing, you know, or certain limitations, they can't, arthritis, they can't really hold a book in their hand anymore. They can't really read the pages. And I fully understand where they would need an audible book or they would need a Kindle to, to read. You know, I, I, I fully understand that issue. But anyone who really enjoys reading, 90% of them are going to want to hold that book in their hand and, and flip that page and even smell the dust from the book. Mm-hmm. It's, I hear that very often. What kind of, how did you set when you were going to be open? Like you mentioned how important it was, you know, to be open and have that consistent, consistent schedule. Are you open, you know, every day? Are you open five days a week or, or well, the three more, days a week? Or The more you're open, the more money you can make. To be quite honest, we're open six days a week. We do take Sundays off. I, you know, for a while there, it was just me. And, you know, working six days a week on your own can wear you down. I, I, I have some help now, and I get to take Saturdays off, most Saturdays off. Um, but the way we set our hours, 10 to 6 is, is uh, 
relates back to Alice in Wonderland, uh, you know, and even on our logo on the Hatter's Hat, the card, 10 to 6. So we're open Monday yeah. through Friday from 10 to 6 and Saturdays 10 to 4. Uh, we do close a little earlier on Saturdays because, you know, especially when I was working the store six days a week, I couldn't, you know, just that couple of hours helped me go home and get some laundry done, you know, or, or, or be able to socialize some. Perfect. All right. Uh, final question. What would you say to, uh, you know, if, if there's a, a middle school kid listening and they think that they have to leave, you know, to, in order to be, they have to leave West Virginia to, in order to be successful, what would you tell them on the possibilities here? That's a good question because I used to teach middle school. Okay. I did. And um, everybody has to follow their own dream. And if your dream does take you away, this will always be home. But if you can find a way to make your dreams come true here, there's not a better place in the world to live. You know, it's a low crime rate. The people are still friendly with one another and get to know their neighbors. Uh, small towns are making a huge comeback, believe it or not, and, you know, due to movements like the Grassroots District and the Renaissance Project. You know, by staying in a small town, you, you have continuity. You have people that you've known your whole life there to support you. And so if you can try to make your dreams come true here, Give that a shot first, and then if you can't make them come true, by all means, follow wherever they take you. Perfect. Anything else that we left out? Uh, I, I do want to go back to when you asked me about one book, and I said there were really two. Um, other than the 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, um, we were privileged to be part of a book called Bookstore Explorer by Matt Browning. And I was allowed to write an essay. I'd already written the essay for West Virginia South Magazine. And he published it in his book as well, as, as well as his, him writing his own experience with visiting the store. And he went to every independent bookstore in the state of West Virginia and interviewed the owners. And that speaks true to small business owners right there, you know, and, and wrote articles on each of them and let many of us write our own essays that went into this book. And I feel so privileged to have been a part of that and, and to know that, you know, there are dozens of small independent bookstores throughout the state that people need to get out and support and, and, and get that community feeling that they provide. Tammy, I appreciate your time and admire your drive to build your dream in Princeton, West Virginia. Listeners who would like to learn about the Hatter's Bookshop can swing by their storefront in the Mercer Street Grassroots District, like them on Facebook, and visit them online at thehattersbookshop.com. Appalachia Startup is a bi-weekly podcast, so be sure to check back for more stories of entrepreneurship. Like us on Facebook and Instagram and support the show by grabbing a sticker from our online store at AppalachianStartup.com. Review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as well. We are on Patreon. You can support the show there and allow us to showcase more businesses in Appalachia. Stay tuned for more stories of underdogs on the rise. Thank you.